Welcome homeowners, home buyers, landlords, and tenants alike. People who just want to be better at living in a home. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Join Madison Radio's Adam Elliott, real estate broker and landlord Ben Anton, as they break down the modern day barriers of home ownership. You'll laugh, you'll cry. And if you're not careful, you'll learn. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curled up in a schoolyard fire. Thanks for waiting. That was the waiting song from Madison musician Seesaw. Welcome to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. On Facebook, at In the 608. Hi, how are you? I'm Adam Elliott, former Madison radio personality. And I'm Ben Anton, broker associate with the Lauer Realty Group. Welcome to our podcast. We are here to bring in a guest and really talk real estate. We're going to enjoy things like the top of the hour tip from special guest Asher Messino. Yeah, we'll talk the highs and lows sales in Dane County, aside the market update with the aforementioned Asher. We surround ourselves with people smarter than we are. One of those smarter-than-us people we have on each month is my uh, business partner, Phil Plord, president of Bling Bling & Associates, a division of Dairy.com. And we'll, of course, feature local music from artists right here in the 608. We like to keep it local, if you haven't noticed. Fun fact, some of our Real Estate in the 608 listeners got to see Seesaw at the Taste of Madison. Oh, man, I've seen how many times they've been playing in the area, and I am jealous. Today, we're going to have Katie Mooney, Plan Review Specialist 1 with the City of Madison Building Inspection Division. So if I have a plan, she's going to review it. One, right off the bat. Specifically, (laughs) specifically, we'll be talking about basement remodeling plans. All right, Ben. What's been going on since last time? Uh, since last time, what are the exciting things? You talk about local music. Just this last weekend was the Willie Street Fair. I have never felt um, more justified in buying. You've seen, have you seen my truck, Adam? Oh, sure. It's yeah, a, you, it's got a, a big, you got one of the big dogs, right? It's a, it's a, it's a big truck. It's almost too big, yeah. and sometimes I feel bad about <laughs> it, right? But I was really surprised at how many, and I, I don't mean it's like like how many women, but like, I was really surprised how many women commented like, "Nice truck." Like, <laughs> I'm at the, I'm at the Willie Street Fair. I'm probably feeling a little bit like self conscious about my truck because I'm at the Willie Street Fair. But I pulled I pulled the Lower Realty Group float right. Like, I'm fun. I've got a truck. I'll help. But that was like. So, like, several women came up from my window and were like, wow. Uh-huh. All right. We'll, nice we'll just say, anyway. Ben, be, uh, be proud of yourself. You are you, and that's what that's important. We didn't, that's here's, not here's, okay, so in, in the real news, we didn't talk about assessments this year, but I saw this number, and it was the, it's, it's the new 2023 average mm-hmm. house value in Madison, 424. For, is this the first time in four hundred thousand range? I is think it, so. I really is, felt like we were at yeah. three sixty for a bit. But I, I thought we were too. <laughs> for those of you, like I said, so for those of you who have these conversations and need to have the proper number in your pocket, like there you go, it's four twenty four now. Um, and then, and then, just today, this is like a hot off the press. I'm including it. I was uh, visiting with a woman today who had uh, had contracted with a local company to have. Uh, a picture window replaced on the front of her relatively modest Eastmoreland home, 
it was going to cost $5,000. And that was the low bid. That was like, that was the one they chose to go with, not the $16,000 bid that someone else offered. So uh, we had window restoration specialist on last month. We have talked about being able to put in your own windows. I will tell you that that tiny house that the, uh, that the Instagram consultant slash fiance slash girlfriend slash that the, the house we purchased had 10 windows. I'm gonna put a, I'm gonna put them in all in myself for twenty six hundred dollars, two sixty oh, a wow. piece, two sixty a piece. Fine windows from my friends at Stoughton Lumber. Love them down there, but literally ten windows, two hundred sixty each, versus this picture window being replaced with three windows, operable sashes. Like it's gonna be nice. It'll be nice. It was a, it was a fancy window at least, right? It for was that, that it, amount of cost coming in. Right, my windows will just go up and down. And and keep out the rain and the cold, but they were they were modest and they were did not cost nearly that much. Um, all right, so uh, real so here we go. Uh, real estate in the six hundred eight has for some time now been a place where you can get up close and personal with people from our local government. It's true. We've had Alder Marsha Rummel, City Planner Dan McAuliffe, Building Inspection Head Matt Tucker. Shannon Davis, who was in charge of making your attic habitable, right? The attic episode, yeah. So today, we're going back to the building inspection division to talk to Katie Mooney. We're going below deck to talk about basements. Let's take a quick break uh, uh, and have a top-of-the-hour tip from Asher Messina. Hello, Liz Lauer here, owner and broker at Lauer Realty Group a small but mighty real estate firm in the Madison market. Please tune in and enjoy the conversation and information shared from this podcast as it offers insight into the Madison real estate market and handy tips for homeowners from remodeling, interest rates, market conditions to the do's and don't evers. So sit back and enjoy the banter and have a good time. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608. We're back with Asher Messino. It's time for the top of the hour tip. Hit me with that top of the hour tip, Asher. What do you want to talk about? Taxes? Yeah, Ben, let's talk about capital gains tax. Isn't that something that only rich people have to worry about? No. (laughs) I thought it was an only rich people thing. Well, our values are going up a lot here in the Madison area. So now a lot of people may need to be worried about this. Do you mean that someone who paid $50,000 for their house in the Shanks Corners neighborhood in 1980 may face capital gains tax if they sold today? Yes, if they paid $50,000 in 1980 and they're in the Shank Atwood neighborhood, their house is worth a lot more. Does everyone have to pay or is it only if you get over a certain number? It's only if you get over a certain number. So if you are a single person, if you have profited over $250,000, if you are a married couple and you've profited over $500,000, then you will be taxed. That, yeah, that doesn't seem right. What about unmarried people who own a house as joint tenants? That's a great question. I am not totally sure, but I would think that each person would have $250,000 of exemption. And that, again, that requires it be your primary residence, or if they were to give their home or gift their home and not do it properly or on the books, they might burden the person they give the home to with a capital gains hit on the entire number or 
more than $250,000 if that person uh, is unmarried. Correct. So, so yeah, capital gains, not just a rich people problem, is something that medium rich people uh, like to try to avoid through things called a 1031 exchange. That's an apartment ownership um, tax not uh, not to avoid the tax, but to delay the tax. What do they call it? Yeah, investors defer, do that a lot with their rental properties. Defer your taxes by right. by executing a, a proper exchange. But all right. Well, what's Cap- more, what's more common right now though is that even people that have owned for, let's say, ten years, fifteen years, those people's property values in some cases are doubling, which could put them above that two hundred fifty. Um, but what's important is that if they have put money into the house, if they've done renovations, that does not count towards the profit. So that right. would be deducted. That would increase your original number, which is referred to as a cost basis. So there you go. Anything harder than that, you need to ask your tax professional or Brianne Raymer. We've had her on the show, Atwood Tax. Um, but thank you very much for our little uh, little entree into capital gains tax. Thanks, your Asher. Yep. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. In the studio with us today, Katie Mooney, Plan Review Specialist 1 with the City of Madding Building Inspection Division. Originally from our neighbor to the north, I'm talking about Canada, (laughs) Katie has lived as far south as Florida, where at one point she worked at a sea turtle rescue hospital. so cute. Other jobs (laughs) to support her college and marine wildlife rescue passions included casino cashier. The majority of her building and construction know-how, previous to her memorizing the state of Wisconsin code book for fun, comes from building questionably code-compliant projects with her farmer dad. (laughs) But is she fun? Probably not. (laughs) How how do we find out if she's fun, Asher? We play a, a game, Ben, a Madison history and environs trivia game we call... The, the way, way it, it used, used to be. be. There used to be. There used to be. There used to be. There used to be. Used to be nothing but smiling faces far as the eye could see. Car in every driveway, swinging every tree. People can't stop talking about the way things used to be. Are you ready, Katie? As ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> okay. Summit County, in the western state famous for its Mile High Stadium also employs a Katie Mooney in their building inspections department. Wow. Katie Mooney, if that's even your real name, (laughs) name the state where you could find Katie Mooney at Summit County Building Inspection. Colorado. Woo! Did you you know there was another Katie Mooney in building inspection? I didn't. I didn't know that. You should find her. Yeah. And kill her. You can be the only one. (laughs) No, that's okay. That's a funny funny story. There is a Benjamin Anton who sells real estate in Arizona. Crazy. And and we are friends on Facebook. He is Native American and has family um, in Wisconsin as well. And visits occasionally for some powwows, but we've never wow, that's, that's we've wild. never hooked up. But he has a bunch. He's there's other similarities that are almost kind of curious. Like he's got, I think he's got a son now. But he started out with two daughters. Like I had two daughters. We both drove the same truck. <laughs> We're both Weird. named Benjamin Anton. Both sell real estate. All right. Does he have a podcast? Does not have a podcast. Then you're winning. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we're going to have him on someday, but he does a lot of weird government stuff programs out there that, that we don't can't use. Oh. All right. Anyway, here we go. Uh, that was a little bit outside of Madison. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring, I mentioned the Mile High Stadium, and that's probably how you knew. I'm talking about Denver and Colorado, right? Within 10 feet. So this is like question 1A. Okay. Within 10 feet, what is the sea level of Lake Mendota? I'm going to say 100. Sorry. It's a lot more. A lot, a lot more. Uh, Guys, I'm from sea level. I don't understand being (laughs) above sea level, except when my ears are popping. All right. For those of you, this is something I've enjoyed knowing, but I was even seven feet off. Uh, which is why we gave the 10-foot grace. Uh, 850 feet above sea level at Lake Mendota. Katie, you come to us from Canada, known to many as America's hat. (laughs) In the same way that Canada is kind of the same as the U.S., but also very different because it's found higher up, where on the pig does Canadian bacon come from? The back. (laughs) That is correct. Did you know that, Asher? No. Because if I, you go to Canada and you're like, this is just ham, it's not really ham. Ham is from the leg. Canadians are still eating normal bacon, by the way. <laughs> what they do they call, call it? the bacon Canadian bacon? Do they call it Canadian no, bacon? No, it's like, it's called back bacon or Canadian bacon or female bacon. They do call it Canadian bacon, then. Yeah. Pe- what's the P word? Pea meal. Sometimes it has like a like a flowery pea. I don't know. I all right. Like they, I'm not a meat like expert. Like they bread just, it it's and like, then fry it? It's not like breaded or fried. It just has some sort of coating, probably preservatives. Oh. I love preservatives. I may have to look. <laughs> I may have to look that up. Okay. <laughs> Two out of three. We'll be right back with more from Katie Mooney. When I meet with buyers for the first time, I go through a little presentation, and at the end it says, unpack all your boxes when you move in, and then borrow a ladder. So that borrow a ladder thing is like kind of a metaphor. What it means is that I enjoy not only helping people buy their houses, but helping them live in their houses and learn how to be better at living in a house. The same better that I try to help you with each month on the podcast. So here's an invitation. If you are planning on buying a house or selling a house, look me up. Head over to benanton.com. Maybe sign up for my newsletter under the read tab. That is what I like to do the most is help. The podcast, the newsletter, those are just some of the ways I've found to help. So you want that help? Look me up. You want a little help in between? Listen to the podcast, sign up for the newsletter. Thank you, and we'll talk soon. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. It's time for our monthly look at the market. We're going to start with the market update. Right now, I'm feeling like, you know, we're still riding the end of the summer wave. Labor Day weekend is slow. When the kids go back to school and people go back to university, it's slow. But now that we are in the second half of September, I do think it is going to start picking up. Yeah, generally, and we did see just a little flurry maybe the 8th or the 10th, right around there, all those people that were waiting for school to start. Mm-hmm. Anytime you can uh, give a name to a time of the year, mother, you know, around Mother's Day or when school starts or after school lets out, you know, those, those things are generally, you know, if you didn't have a, a reason to list your home at any other time, you might pick some simple moniker, some simple 
it can be identified by these few words. And that's when you end up listing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So actually right now, if you've been waiting to list, now's a great time to do it. There's a good number of buyers that are, that are, are looking again after taking a little bit of rest during the summer. And, um, at the same time, I got an accepted offer on a property that sold in week two. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. It smelled like cat pee a little bit. <laughs> that happens. That smells that like opportunity. Smells like opportunity. <laughs> That's what my house smelled like when I bought it. <laughs> Thank you, Asher. Uh, we'll be right back with the highs and the lows. What was the lowest price sale of the last month? Again, we're talking single family homes, Dane County, lowest price sale in the last 30 days. Where are you at? Yeah, so we have a property that sold for 66500 in the town of Cottage Grove. And this property, it says right on it, rehab, fixer-upper, tear-down, build-your-own-home, lots of great possibilities. No interior pictures. <laughs> it I looks rough. I was surprised. First, when someone says tear-down, they, you know... I would hope there'd be a good reason to do it. This house, though, uh, shared a driveway, and for as old as it was, it seemed awkwardly close to the neighboring home. Like, Very like close. It, like right there. You're on a third of an acre, but, you, but you're sharing a driveway with your neighbor, a, mm -hmm. a long gravel driveway, and uh, only two bedrooms, one bath, 1,100 square feet. Does not sell for list price. What does it close for? Well, it it was listed for ninety thousand. It closed for sixty six five. So yeah, it took eight days to get that cash that cash offer. They were ready to they were ready to let it go. <laughs> You're uh, not going to get financing on this, so you either have to be a cash offer or a construction loan to purchase a property like this. That's right. To to get a regular or conventional financing, you in you need to be able to like theoretically move in. Mm -hmm. and, and when they uh, when they can't show interior pictures, that's rarely the case. <laughs> what about the other end of the spectrum? What's our high price sale for September? All right, so the highest is one point seven in the town of Springdale, which is just west of Verona. Um, listed for one point seven and sold for one point seven in eleven days. Is this the kind of house you grew up in on the west side, there, Asher? Absolutely not. Weren't you from Verona? <laughs> I. I grew up in Madison, West Madison, Fitchburg, Verona. We've never had a house this big. All right, big. so you did not have three, <laughs> three, three bedrooms, four bathrooms, and 3,700 square feet. And almost 15 acres. I think that $1.7 is still a lot of money for a house that is not on the water. It that is, is a lot of money. It's almost a given, though, when you end up when you 14 acres. For the, it's the acreage, really. You're, I mean, it's gonna, a gorgeous property, 3,700 square feet, but it's the 14 acres. And four-car garage or four garage stalls. Looks like they might be in two separate buildings. But um, but look at that total assessment. Wow. Yeah. Total assessment. It's assessed at $335,000. So their taxes are going to go up a little bit. <laughs> By like seven. <laughs> hey, you remember what your tax... So net taxes last year, $5,100. Next year, $35,000. Yeah, I hope they're prepared for that. Well, they should be. They It was a cash offer, so they have the cash. <laughs> oh, here's something interesting I noted, too. Um, in record, we, We're looking at the MLS for recorded sales, and it is there that we find the, uh, the original uh, list price as well as the closing price and, and how the deal was financed. They've added a new category, and it says 
cash at acceptance. Can you tell us? Yes. You probably so know exactly what this that is means. Very, very important for our data. So a lot of people are writing offers right now that are not contingent upon financing, but then still turning around and getting financing. And so it's very it's been very hard for us to, to track the past like three or so years trying to figure out how many of these are true cash offers and how many of these are actually being financed. Right. So someone has availability to the cash, which might be Cashing out a, a 401k or doing something foolish like uh, leveraging your, 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 your parents' home. Right. Um, but it, or just but, showing your parents' bank account. Like, exactly. So then you say, I have the cash to close. This offer is not contingent upon financing, but I reserve the right to finance. Right. It's being able to say to the seller, you don't need to worry about me being approved. I have the ability to pay cash but you're going to allow me to finance it. Correct, exactly. And it's really useful for us to have this now because now we can search what did they write in their offer versus how did it actually close? And we can see the percentage of people doing that. Yep. So, and if you have the availability to the if you have the uh the ability to do that same thing, it's another trick that you can keep in your toolbox and hopefully it'll put you in the winner's seat. Yeah. There you go. There's the highs and lows, 66,000 up to 1.7 million. Come a little bit closer, hear what I have to say. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine. For your ears, we are joined by Tiger the Podcast Cat, as well as Katie Mooney with the Madison, Wisconsin Building Inspection Division. Like when someone walks into your office there, your relatively new office. The municipal building. The municipal building (laughs) that many of us who like to pretend we've lived here a long time say, you know, the old post office has not been a post office during my life. What is the most common question that, that comes to the counter? About their basement, can I finish it? Can I live down here and put my children down here <laughs> safely to sleep and not not be heard from upstairs? Is that a, well? That I would say that's the undertone. Is like <laughs> we have a family; they're getting bigger, and I would like to put a little distance between me and my teenager. We're talking about living space, finished space. What 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 would you say when people say, I'd like to finish my... What's the most common... People want to do a lot of things in their basements. Um, and my question is, are you trying to make habitable space? Are you using this for common use space? Are you intending to sleep down here? There's a lot of questions and there's a lot of things. Some people want a podcast studio in their basement (laughs) and some people want a bedroom in their basement and those would have different code requirements. Well, good thing that we just have a podcast studio in this basement (laughs) (laughs) because the code restrictions, to my understanding, are relatively relaxed. (laughs) There are no specific mentions in the code for podcast studios at this time. Do you feel safe? You are closest to the door. I we prefer not to answer. We just invited you down to a stranger's basement. So, <laughs> the uh, what? Uh, what of the? And then uh, you might automatically, based on, they say, well, you know, where do you live? They give you an address. You're going to have an idea, I'd imagine, as to what their basement might look like. I would say, based on the East Main Street, this is a. Well, since I own four houses in a row, this is the nicest or the only basement that I have any finished space inside of. But 
But do you have an idea based on an address, like what, what kind of projects you're going to be talking about, what kind of challenges they may be facing based on the age of the home? Yeah, sometimes I do. Um, often people are coming in with a newer home, um, one that was probably intended to have finished space in it. Often builders will tell you that it's ready for finished space. And so they've already checked some of the boxes for you to make sure that there's appropriate ceiling height, um, that there are windows cut in for a future bedroom, if you will. Um, and sometimes it's someone who just bought a house and they're so excited and their house is 100 years old. And then we have to get into what are the existing conditions of your basement? And is there enough there for us to finish it? Do you have enough headroom that when you put your flooring in and your ceiling in that you can meet codes? ceiling height requirement in a basement and there is some flexibility because of protrusions or ductwork or areas but seven feet seven feet seven feet is what you like to see if you got a little bit lower like above us here uh, that might be so close to seven feet but there's ductwork there's pipes there's beams there's supports there may be areas in the, and then you have special ways to measure the amount of area that is the full seven or more Correct. And then allow for a percentage of... Uh, Projection. So did you have to duck getting into my basement? Yes. Because my stairs are non-compliant. But that they are correct. also an, a non-compliant existing condition. And that's something that Shannon told us about. Yes. Is that right? You did that's learn important. about existing non-conforming. <laughs> Do so, we need to repeat it together again? Existing, existing non-conforming. non-conforming. <laughs> All right. So, so ha- let's imagine that uh, this space that we're in was not much unlike this uh, when, when I purchased the home. Would I be allowed to create this space today? There's a possibility. <laughs> it's important that we're careful with what we promise. Right. Here. They don't and yeah. they don't know they don't know the height on the stairs. It's like I turn my head to the right. It's not super short. Well, but I it's didn't not have super... a problem at all. Asher, exactly. Totally fine for me. If we had a visual aid, we'd put <laughs> Asher up there, plenty of clearance. <laughs> um, there so... are existing conditions with your basement that we would not necessarily expect you to be able to change. And that's and that's based on being cost prohibitive or like less about cost and more about structure and the amount of effort that goes into it. Um, so we want to make sure that your basement is as safe as it can be. And if you have low stairs coming down to your basement, those are the same low stairs leading out of your basement when there's a fire and it's filled with smoke. So when you can't see that protrusion anymore and you're rushing up the stairs and you hit your head, it's not a good time. That sounds so, that actually, like, that kind of makes sense. The, the safety aspect is, is like a different lens for me on mm-hmm. that one. But we do talk about the safety of, um, of firefighters. Yes. And a lot of the rules that we see today are based on their coming in or leaving or leaving with you 
Or leaving with in a In a carry on a stretcher. I would imagine they'd be ducked a little bit because I'm heavy. Egress yes. is, is one that you're going to, that you're going to, that probably a question that comes up quite a bit. When yes. someone says, I want it to be habitable space. Habitable doesn't mean bedroom. Habitable is what you would typically finish, think of as finished space. Okay. When you walk into your living room, that's a habitable space. Um, when you walk into your laundry room in the basement, you probably aren't feeling those habitable vibes. <laughs> I'm not, no. But so... In order to have a bedroom in the basement, you need an egress window, an escapable window. But just to have habitable space, do you need an egress window? You do not need an egress window. Okay. And and I'll back I'll back Asher up, like back it up. Um, <laughs> versus support your statement. <laughs> I am here to back you up. Um, because it wouldn't necessarily need to be a window as it would need to be a second opportunity for exit. Exactly. There could be a bunch of small windows and a door, and that would qualify as that secondary exit opportunity. That's right. That a, a firefighter. Door, a door to the outside. A door to the saying, outside. Yeah. To be clear. Yes. Um, and the window size, my understanding is that is that, that minimum 20 by 24 net clearance is so that a firefighter could squeeze through it or like it's big enough that a person with a backpack can get on get on in. Yep. Would how often does the building inspection department require gigantic windows far larger than egress would require because of the square footage of the room? Is that like a given? Because that's one of the things I, I, I've encountered a few times where the window size, the illumination and ventilation requirements right. are so dependent on floor size, correct? Your window um, provides two things. It can provide egress and also natural light um, and ventilation. In a basement, the only room that requires natural light is a bedroom. So if you have a rec room, a podcast room, a gym an office, none of those things would require you to meet the same natural light requirements you would have if those rooms were on the first floor. Only in bedrooms, in basements, do you need natural light. Tony Hile in the washboard she would play. She played it on the boardwalk every day. Little soap that's on the ground. How much, how much uh, a weight would you put on a suggestion that someone who's finishing the basement have either basement waterproofing or sump pumps or, or, or water mitigation systems added before the work begins? I would say that depends on where you are and what the water table situation is for you. But completely up to the homeowner, you, you can give a permit for a finished basement right. and bedroom without an understanding or an on-site look at how wet it may or may not be. Yep. Some pumps, though, are a requirement in new construction. There is a requirement for drain tile, and I do believe it is specific to the region or the water table. I would say it's very rare. I have not seen anyone try to build a new house without putting in some sort of drain tile. I I was very excited uh, Rhonda, my business partner, and I built a house on Lansing two years ago now. 
concrete footing forms that doubled as drain tile. Have you seen them in use? I it's, am aware they're in use. They, it's, it's genius. Genius. <laughs> it's genius. There are so many genius building products out there. It's like, and, and at the time, it was during the pandemic when two by four costs were out the, like, it was almost cheaper to buy perforated plastic drain tile to be used as concrete forms. Lots of, lots of new things and changes. And here it leads to my next question. Um, has, has the use of vapor barrier, and vapor barrier is, 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 pla- is, is a way to stop air movement from in, in or out of a space, a home. On the outside of a home beneath your siding, you might think of like building wrap or Tyvek. That's a vapor barrier. There's also a vapor barrier on the inside behind your drywall. Or there's Before you go up with the drywall, there's literally a, a thick plastic sheet to keep vapor and on the ceiling. Anyway, houses a lot tighter today. Has the practice of vapor barrier in below-grade spaces changed in the last many years or in the last handful of years? I do believe it has. I cannot tell you when. Um, this is when I wish I had Alan here with me, my he is, my coworker Alan who knows is, everything. Does he? Is he going to listen? Because I can. My next statement can be either he is listening or he probably won't. He probably won't. He's he he's wired tight that Alan. Like he, <laughs> I joked about I joked about Katie memorizing the code book for fun. He might really. <laughs> he, he might. He and might. He really. knows when these things happened. He's got. I've I've been working here for five years. Um, before that, I I don't know what was nope. going on with the code. He might answer all the questions in the quiz correctly. But we might still not find wonder him fun. If, he, if, if he was fun. I'm sure. I'm sure he's a black. I bet you. I bet you he lets loose. But like, but as as Katie and um and uh, and Shannon and a few other gentlemen from the office were presenting on different topics. Anytime, anytime they they had a question or like they weren't certain about a date or when did this new, they didn't even barely have to look over in the direction of Alan and he'd be like. That was 1976, <laughs> and it was, you know, the, the Carter administration and <laughs> and the Chinese trade policies that led. I mean, seriously, anyway. he would rewrite your questions, and you would be finding out on your own podcast that you weren't fun. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't stand a chance. All right, so um, so below grade vapor barriers. I think it used to be that they was in the basement. You would always put plastic all the way up down on the warm side. Um, but I learned at that continuing education that that now when we're talking about masonry, like as if there was a, a wall asher that is like half below grade, we would have vapor barrier on the stick frame section of it, like from the knee wall up. But we would not want vapor barrier uh, below grade or when there is a masonry product on the outside. That's interesting. Right. Mind blowing. Was it? Well, it is a little bit, because if I walk into a house with a finished basement and I stick my hand above the wall or I'm, I'm touching or feeling I'm poking and I feel a vapor barrier, I'm like, oh, okay, these people did a good job when they, they, they followed the rules. But now the rules are different. Mm-hmm. So The rules have changed, and I believe that code is different in different jurisdictions, not in, in Wisconsin, but outside of Wisconsin, perhaps internationally, hmm. there are... There's, there's some, the jury is out. 
on the vapor barrier. Here in Wisconsin, Maybe we don't we're get being to choose. Progressive. We're not pushing sump pumps on our on our basement remodelers. We're not pushing sump pumps. I'm putting in a bed a bedroom with proper egress. Um, are you going to suggest that I get a radon test? I'm not. Okay. There's no no radon in the code. No radon requirement for testing. Um, it's the interesting. EP, I'd, I'd like to throw this out there. I I rarely tell my buyers to get the test. Um, they are a thousand like the worst case scenario. You're going to spend a thousand bucks on a mitigation system. One of the ways, though, that um, that mitigation systems work is by they suck the air from beneath your home. And if there's a crawl space or if there's a open soil, then you need this kind of vapor barrier we're talking about to allow them to work. So, it, but anyway, not you super rarely. Ex- you rarely suggest people get a test, or you really suggest in the buying process they get a test. Because I think if people are going to be sleeping in their basement, yeah. I do suggest they get a test. I suggest in a home where there might be actual living, ha- more than just habitable, but maybe living space in the basement. Or where or, you work in an office all day in your basement. Right. Or a home that is of the modern era and may have a good kind of air, like more airtight than an old house. And as it relates to basement remodels, a homeowner can do all this work themselves on their home. If they own and occupy their single-family home as their primary residence. We talked a little bit about primary residence earlier as it relates to capital gains tax. That means you literally live there most of the time. So you can go down to Katie and she can give you a, she can approve your plans and you can go do the work. You can do the plumbing, the electrical, everything, and be inspected by those different departments. They will like they will hold you mostly to the same standards as the professionals. They'll probably just be more kind in <laughs> delivery of the news. I hope so. <laughs> I would think so. I I have worked with a few of them in both. Wide well, the general contracting thing is new, so most of it was as a as a homeowner, and it did. They help you learn. They're great. I've learned so much from them. All right. So here. So here's one of the. One of the things I think is important to understand, uh, we talked in the in the headlines about the average value of a home uh, being in the you know low fours now, uh, and that for the most part means that homes are selling for three you know three hundred three fifty a square foot. Like every square foot of your house might be worth that much. If you can add square feet in your basement for less than three fifty, broad strokes. That would be a bargain then. That would be like, hey, we should do that because that we can, we can buy a square foot in the basement way cheaper than we can buy it on the west side. Now, obviously, basement square footage is not worth quite as much. But if I said to you, if I came and brought a plan to you at the desk and I said, I'm going to spend $45,000 on this habitable rec room with a small bathroom adjacent and an and, uh, and cutting in a big window. If I said, that's going to be $45,000, you'd believe that. Yeah. That sounds like, a, that's a pretty nice rec room and bathroom and a cut, cut out window. So now I've got this daylight in the basement, full bath, and in this, what are we, two, let's say it was a big basement. Maybe I got 350 square feet finished. And that cost me $45,000. I did not pay anywhere near three hundred and fifty thousand or three hundred fifty dollars per square foot. 
I'm closer to, I'm less than $100 per square foot. And I added 350 per square feet to my house. Well, that's more than that. Do the math. Anyway, it's still a great value. That's why we're looking to basements. That's why it's important to understand how can I make my house one third bigger for a relatively small amount of money. Making your finished basement space contiguous with your upstairs finished space. Asher, how many houses have you walked into that had a beautiful finished space in the basement, but to get to it, you had to walk past someone's laundry mm-hmm. and the, the water heater part. and the furnace? Right. They spent. They may have spent that same $45,000 on a beautiful rec room, an egress window, and a full bath. But if you don't connect it to the bottom of the stairs, you're pissing your money away. It's worth something, but it's not worth nearly as much if you make those spaces contiguous. Do we agree? There's no code <laughs> that would prevent you from... Creating a beautiful finished space that you, had, a beautiful that you had to walk past the yes. furnace to get to. I sure. think it's very subjective. I mean, if someone, if the rest, if the unfinished part... The part with the mechanicals and the washer and dryer and all that. If it looks okay, if it looks nice, even if it has some doors in front of it that, like, maybe it's not, like, the nicest arrangement, it really depends on what the rest of that finished space looks like. Once you get there, how nice is it? I always, it's like the first thing I say when I get to the bottom of the stairs, is if we've this should be connected, or if we finish this, when we finish this, we need to make this contiguous. Again, you say, well, there's not a code. Unless the space you are crossing through doesn't meet codes. Oh, so you shouldn't have to like, oh. get, down and, get down an army crawl to your finish. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Much like you may not be changing your stairs when you're finishing your basement, but I would expect that those are code compliant. You need to be able to access your space through a code compliant manner. I don't care if I can see your floor joists from above. I don't care if your floor is concrete. I care if you have seven feet of ceiling height. So building codes don't care about contiguous space. No. But people who are spending money should. People are spending hard-earned money on expensive stuff. They should care. They should. But what I will say to that is that People who are, let's take this Atwood neighborhood, for example. These are older homes where things, people were never building these homes, planning on these basements being finished for the most part. So now people are trying to finish them and they're, you know, trying to figure out how to do it. And maybe all their mechanicals are in the wrong place to make it a contiguous basement. But this neighborhood is still so desirable that... It doesn't really matter. So it really is location specific and how well it was done and how well you can get through that unfinished space to the finished space. That's why I think it's more subjective because it depends on the desirability of the neighborhood. Bunkers. I don't get permits for those. Or do they? They don't want people to know. Sometimes there are rooms in basements on plans that... I have to ask why why you're doing that. Because you need what to understand the use, the use so it can the meet room. the appropriate code. Typically, those back corner rooms are the utility rooms, but sometimes there's an opportunity for some space behind the utility room 
and people will put it in. And you're like, please tell me you're not kidnapping people behind here because they need light. You know, <laughs> that's why I'm glad that the uh, plans are here on file and we know where the rooms are. Right. And, the, and, and to be... <laughs> Not everybody who wanted a basement bunker is being nefarious. There are a lot of 1950s ranches with with concrete rooms in the basements. A mm-hmm. lot of Monona. Um, mm-hmm. you, the, today they're they're can for canning or they're for storage. But um, but I've seen a good amount that were, you know, would definitely be safe and a blast. We're talking, you know, same same generation that was building bunkers in backyards. Well, there were some people that that built those spaces long before the movie Safe Room um, with Jodie Foster. Uh, is it? Is it? Is she in that yes. one? Big She's fan. the main character. I don't. I don't. <laughs> um, okay. And then here's one question uh, from from the peanut gallery. Two story basement. Is it a thing in a residential home? Can you have that? I don't see why not. As long as all of the individual codes are met, I believe the way the code is worded. It just starts saying exits below the first floor or oh, yeah. So it doesn't leaving, say how many layers below the first leaving floor. Leaving the they opportunity must be. for basements and sub basements open to the potential homeowner. <laughs> Katie, you have proven yourself very fun. I would just like to say that the several representatives of your department that we've had in here um, have all been have well, I don't know if they were I think they were all fun. Like they all, not only both fun, but also answered all three questions correctly or got two out of three. Um, and, and not at all the, uh, the stodgy building inspector um, <laughs> uh, kind of folks that, that I think many people, you are there to help. You are there to help my listeners a lot more than me. We love to help people <laughs> and we want to make sure that you can achieve your basement dreams in a safe way. And we're always willing to help. If you come in with questions, you can even tell me your address and I promise I won't write it down and um, <laughs> try to report you for something non-compliant. Yeah, there's always those, I mean, it's a theoretical question. There's, a, a, theor- theoretical there's question. a fear. You can tell the people <laughs> who come in with the fear and they are like, okay, I don't want to tell you where I live. Because I don't want you to know that I don't have proper outlet spacing. And I can tell you I don't have proper outlet spacing in my house. We understand. Yeah, built well before 1980. Built well before 1980. And we aren't trying to make you change everything in your house to bring it up to modern codes. But when you want to change something, that's when you need to meet your modern codes. So if you have a theory and a Pinterest board and a question, come in, make an appointment, come in and see us, um, ask your question, send us an email, call us. We're happy to answer. All right. Well, thank you so much, Katie. It's been a pleasure to have you in. I might be running out of people in your office. Well, uh, well uh, until we get Alan, <laughs> I'm going to, I might, that's going to be a special episode. I would love lot, to be here for the peanut of, gallery with of a lot, that. Well, you talked about uh, Shannon uh, threatening to join us here today in, in your audience. Maybe the both of you um, can be here to show love and support for fellow co-worker as we bring him in for his own special episode of Facts and Figures. <laughs> wow. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. Thank you again, Katie. You have a great one. We'll talk to you or someone else in your office soon, I hope. Thank you. 
You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Medicine's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam Elliott, and Ben and Tom is right here with me. Ben, what was that other than proof that some people are fun? Yes, fun and willing to call out their boss on maybe not being <laughs> being fun, or at least not getting the questions answered correctly. Um, that was Katie Katie Mooney, Planned Review Specialist 1, uh, the, thir- the third person from... Uh, or th- from kind of the second actual person from the building inspection desk we've had in. And then we had Matt Tucker when he was here as a planning department, as well as Dan McAuliffe. So we've, we've really walked our way through the, uh, the planning and building inspection office and had some great information and, uh, and ideas on how to make your basement first. Like she, you know, the most important thing that she's going to help guarantee is that, um, the execution of your or plan, your plan will result in a safe space. And right. she she actually yeah. made me see a little bit of light <laughs> on the uh, we talked joked about my head the headroom on the stairs. Adam, you may recall you tip your head a little bit to the side. I do. When I you do. turn down my yep. stairs, and it wasn't until today that she said, "If you're running out of here in the dark and it's smoky, we need to know you don't hit your head." And so, right. so it wasn't as much about like common sense and convenience as as I would have thought. And it really is about like if you're in danger, you want a quick shot out of here. So, a lot right. about safety. We talked. I tried to stir in some value discussion, um, and she was open to that. Though there is no code that requires uh, your beautiful finished space in the basement to be contiguous. With your and we probably talked about that when when you we bought your place back on uh, Sudbury. That's true. Doesn't have to be the same. You can put the wood paneling up in the basement and have nice wood floors upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> but so a lot of a lot of fun information and uh, and 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 not all of it at her coworkers' expenses. Um, but yeah, it was a good time well, to have her in. That's good. I like this pattern that we've had here to show that, like, you know, the people who do these jobs, um, folks in government, they're people too, right? And they can be fun sometimes. They can be fun. And uh, not to, like, pat ourselves, but we've had a lot of women in here lately. We might, now I'm going to get some guy in here next month who does God knows what, and everybody's going to be like, that guy. Like, I guess I guess he's fun, but he's not fun, you know, like, I'd rather, anyway. But yeah, so anyway. I felt, I felt it was, it was a good time. So there we go. So thanks, thank you, Adam, for all the mag- for making your magic. Still, Adam still makes the magic, even even though we have special guest Asher, who I'm thinking plays like because it was um, Melrose Place, right? Starring uh-huh. starring all these people, but Heather <laughs> Heather Locklear, special guest, the whole oh, ser- the whole series. She she didn't. So um, maybe maybe someday Asher will do the intro and outro. With, with that's Ash, that's Asher's own form of magic right there. Um, thank you to the musicians and bands you've been hearing throughout the podcast today. Renclaw, El Donk, the Oak Street Ramblers, Bobby Westfall. Always good to hear him and sad, sad, sad still about him. But Seesaw, Mad City Jug Band, yeah. And thanks to the listeners. Yeah, we thank you for tuning in. Have a great one, Adam. Thank you much. Thank, thank you, Ben. Thank you for listening to Real Estate in the Six Hundred Eight. Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Real Estate in the 608 is a podcast for homeowners, home buyers, landlords, tenants, people who just want to be better at living in a home. If you can't get enough Real Estate in the 608 between episodes, like us on Facebook at In the 608 
or visit in-the-608.com for archived episodes and show notes. Remember, until you tell us, we don't know. We appreciate your listening, as well as your ratings and reviews at your favorite podcast portal. We also welcome feedback and topic suggestions via email to ben at benanton.com. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fists curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a backup when you're calling my name. And come on, baby, won't you keep me safer than that high score on Could be taking the aims, and we could be record breaking. Come on, baby, won't you buy me flowers with that money spent on whiskey sours that you're buying at those wasted hours? And come on, baby, won't you talk me sweet? Instead, I'm staring at this empty seat because you got someone else you'd rather be. And we could be. So I'm singing you this waiting song